1: Welcome back to another Three Pete Podcast. We are back for season nine, episode seven. Boys, we're flying by here, man. As always, I'm TJ, your host this evening. And I'm as always, I'm joined by
0: Josh Ramowitz, Steven Bonazzo.
1: We got quite the program here for you listeners. And I think we should start off with uh, a little recap of this past weekend's NHL action. Uh, Specifically, we had a stadium series. There was a few games down at MetLife. It was uh, Devils Flyers, Rangers Islanders, which was the better game in my opinion, because I think, if I remember correctly, the Devils Flyers game was kind of a blowout for the Devils. And... Most importantly, Stevie was in attendance for that insane Ranger comeback. No one, uh, no one on Ranger
0: fan, Stevie B.
1: Yep, the biggest he, Ranger fan this side. This uh, side uh, of it, this hockey free
0: team. agent, no more.
1: No longer a free agent, he gave up on Connor Bedard just like everybody else, and he is now a diehard Ranger fan. Stevie. I would first and foremost, why'd you give up on Connor Bedard? And secondly, how how was your time at the game, man? How was your first outdoor game?
2: Okay, first of all, first let me make this clear. I still have love for the Blackhawks because I like Chicago sports a lot. And um I really like Patty Kane and Taze were some of the original guys that maybe get into hockey. Um, and Bedard is a young phenom who I enjoy watching on a very shitty team. But that being said, I've always had love for the Rangers too, because they were the local team. Um, my dad used to work with Chris Drury because Chris Drury is a part owner of Colony Grill in Fairfield, Stanford, Milford, and now there's like a bunch of other places. So I met him. Couple times he signed a few autographs for me, and he was a Rangers captain. So, and like I said, they're they're the local team, and you know a lot. I know a lot of Rangers fans, but going to that game Sunday really did make it hard not to root for the Rangers, like full time as a full time fan. I mean, first of all, the outdoor stadium setup was phenomenal, awesome. I mean, the little park and the little props and stuff they set up, the performances. Um, so the Jonas Brothers performed Saturday night for the Devils game. Um, I don't know how it went, but I'm sure they kicked ass. I saw AJR, which I knew, I knew a lot more of their songs. I just didn't really know it was them who sang it. Uh, but they, they were pretty good. good. Um, but it was just so... So cool to see MetLife packed, um, with all hockey jerseys, whether it's Islanders or Rangers, um, and it was cool seeing everyone bundled up, like looking like they were going ready to ski. I bought a ski mask. I bought like nice wool, like ski socks. I bought so much like stuff from the ski store in my town, just to make sure I was warm. I had my brother gave me one of his Rangers jerseys. I had a sweatshirt on. I had my nice thick Sherpa lined jacket. I had leggings, um, like, you know, tights that you'd wear, like, like playing sports, like, under your pants and stuff like that. So I was bundled up, and I was warm. Um, but it was, it was really an awesome experience to... One, that was actually my first ever Rangers game. And to see Rangers-Islanders was awesome, the battle of the New York teams. But then to be at an outdoor state... I mean, like, this is not just, like... Yes, they have like an they have the winter classic every year. Yes, the stadium series now has been going on for quite a bit of you know, for a good 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 bit to, good a good amount of time. Jeez, I couldn't say that correctly. Um but it's not it hasn't been like a forever thing. It's still still like a newer um thing they've done. But it's not like it's like in this area every year. Like next year it's in Columbus. So the fact that I was able to go and It really didn't feel like a normal, like, regular season game. It felt like it was, like, something more like a winter classic or, like, it really was something special um, with all the different branding and, like, just hype around it. So it really was a fun time. Um, The game itself was fantastic. The Rangers looked like crap for a lot of the game, and the Islanders really played well. The Islanders played so much better than the Rangers did, but the Rangers, when it mattered, came back and um the boys so my brother myself and our buddy and his dad we came up with a group parlay so I'll, I'll share it with the fans so it was rangers money line how to take rangers money line no doubt about it you know how how you, you can't really take the the puck line in hockey it's not like football it's like you got to take straight money line and how do you not take rangers money line so rangers money line because it was an outside game, we took the over on goals. Uh, so it was like at 5.5, so we took the over. That hit because, I mean, Saturday night was 9 goals, so it was 6-3. And then we had, it was 6-5, so it was 11 goals, so we cleared that no problem. And then we wanted to take a shots on goal, so we took Kreider because Kreider loves to shoot. So he, we, his was, I think, because I do DraftKings and they do FanDuel, so it was about three and a half, 4.5 four so he had like seven entering like the third period, so he cleared that pretty good. And then this was my leg. So Saturday morning, I told my brother, Mika's a Ben is scoring because I like Mika a lot. Every time I turn I'm watching the Rangers at home, this dude's making great plays. So I said, Mika's a Ben is scoring. And Saturday night, I had a dream that Mika scored, and I didn't bet on him, and I was so mad in my dream. So he I said, I, I I have to that's my leg. And what do we know? To tie the game, this dude was like, uh, like, his his body was like as low as a stick on the ice with the meanest one-timer I've seen in quite a while. Right through the net, right past Sorokin, to tie the game. We were going nuts because our Rangers' money line was almost like cooked. So then not only did they tie it and pretty much almost sent it to overtime, and Mika scored, we were going crazy. Um, And then when Panarin scored in overtime, we were nervous that it might not count. But then when the um when the ref like made the announcement, the stadium got quiet because the stadium was roaring because the Rangers scored, they were celebrating like they won, and then just like the last four minutes of the game were was absolutely wild. So when the when the ref came on, everyone stopped. And then when he said, The goal is good, it just went crazy. The Rangers goal horn went off and then their little um you know, chant that they do after, go, hey, 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 you know, it was just like, just, and and that alone just gets the whole, like, I can only imagine that MSG, but at MetLife, when you had, like, double, because it was mostly Rangers fans, there was a lot of Islanders fans, I'm going to be wrong, but it was mostly Rangers fans, and the Rangers fans were just so much louder anyways. And, I mean, just what a feeling it is to do that. So I can't imagine at the Garden what it's like. I would love to experience that. But um, the only thing I have to say, I don't know what this lies on, if it's MetLife's fault, or I don't really think it's NHL's fault, but MetLife itself is just awful to navigate. And it took us to find General Parking, like, usually for a Giants game, like, general parking, when you get down there, you kind of turn right. And then, like, all the gates with, like, um, parking passes are, like, you go left. So, we went right. And then they had us keep going. Like, you couldn't turn into the main lot. Like, they had us keep going. And then the traffic that led to that lot was dead stop so far back. We wouldn't miss half the game if we waited that. So, we ended up parking in the mall. But... The parking was such they had a, they pushed back the game so now promise you're saying because of the glare I also think it's because no one was in the stadium because there was like it seemed like half the crowd that was outside at like three o'clock when the game was supposed to start so there was probably no one in the stands for when they would put it on TV um which was also not a, probably a good look so and they're supposed to, my life is supposed to host the World Cup final like I don't know. Now, these are New York fans. This was the battle of the New York teams who have probably been to MetLife, most of them, for Giants and Jets games who and probably have an idea of how MetLife works. Now, imagine people coming from other countries who, one, driving in New Jersey in that area is, like, hectic to begin with. Then MetLife itself is not easy. And then this is now the World Cup final where it's going to be probably, like, as many people as that stadium could possibly hold, like I'm sure they're gonna try to fit more, like seats in there somehow, some way. Like it, it's gonna be packed, and you're gonna have people coming from everywhere. That's gonna be a nightmare. So they need to fix something before that because that getting to the game was usually getting to my life's not too bad, and usually like parking, we're able to figure out it, you know, somewhat, and we're usually pretty good. But it was such a shit show doing that that they need to figure it out. But besides that, it was an awesome time. That mall, I don't know if you guys have been to that mall. That mall is really nice. I recommend if you guys have the chance, check out the American Dream Mall right by MetLife because it is cool. Uh, but overall, it was a great day. Glad that's gonna, Hey, morning. that's going to add to the nightmare for the World Cup, though. Well, no, that's what, and that's why, because and that's what happened because it was over President's Day weekend, so everyone had off. It was a Sunday, so everyone was shopping. Then you had the Stadium Series. It, that whole area was so congested, so bad, and this was just for like, just the NHL, like an outdoor game, you know. It was that bad. Now imagine, like, we're talking about possibly a top two, like, worldwide sporting event because between this and the Olympics, and you're gonna have not only like the because they'll have early games, but the final, the final is going to be at MetLife. Uh, I, it, it's I, who. Oh. I uh, you couldn't pay in the fact that you're going to be paying tens of thousands of dollars to be sitting where I we were sitting and only more as you get down to deal with that. Ooh, good good luck to them. They're going to have to figure out a plan. But anyways, yeah, know, it was a blast. Um I got hockey fever right now. I'll tell you that. I'm watching hockey. I'm playing chill. I'm <laughs> on my PlayStation. I'm I'm just like it it's just it really is like a fun atmosphere to be a part of, and I know TJ. I know you you love to watch your Bruins like every every night they're on, and I'm sure you probably enjoy uh, going to the garden. Well, the fake garden whenever you have the chance.
1: It's the garden. You said it
2: right. It is a garden, but it's not the garden. Everyone it, knows what the it's garden. The Boston is. Garden. It is a Boston. It's a garden, but it's not the garden. Yeah, it's the Boston it, Garden it's and the, Boston the garden. and the Garden. It's and the it's garden the Boston yeah. Garden and the Garden.
1: Yeah, exactly. We both we all said it right. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah okay. Why are you trying to cause riffs here, Stevie?
0: I'm not causing riffs. I'm just Hey, I'm, hey. He let him have it. He's no longer a fan-free agent. This
2: is this is exciting for Stevie. I'm I'm just, I'm just saying it it really is like um yeah, i I'm just. I wish I got into ho- hockey earlier than I have. You know, I wish I've gone to more. Like I said, this is only my second ho- hockey it's game. The, hockey, my first one, I I far went to too long, my friend. Yeah, no, it has been in it's uh, far too long. And the first hockey game I went to was Devils Maple Leafs a couple December's ago because the Devils games are cheap. Um, it's just the Rangers games are just so freaking expensive. But I will say this: it was funny. So. The Rangers and Islanders fans actually kind of got a lot. There was a couple um, people chirping each other. I saw, but for the most part, everyone was probably it was pretty like behaved well. Um, but my buddy's dad, he was talking to one of the workers, and they said the Philly Devils game. He said those fans were just like out of control. So, which makes sense with Philly. And then, you know, Devils fans themselves seem like you know they get involved with Philly, and yeah, forget about it. So I guess it seemed like Saturday night was much more chaotic. Fan experience wise than it was uh, was Sunday. So, uh, but overall, it was a good thing. And um, next thing I think the next thing I gotta go is to the Winter Classic. You know, complete the complete the dual thing. I mean, it probably
0: won't be for a few years because the Rangers played when it was at City Field.
2: I might have to take a trip to Chicago next year. Just saying, catch a Bears game. Checked out the Winter Classic.
1: Just saying. See, it won't line up because the Bears don't play football
2: in the, when it really matters. Well, now the season's this. Well, right, TJ, I I see. Uh, you're getting you're getting your comeback against me from me making fun of the the Boston Garden. So I can't defend you
0: there. He he's spot on there.
2: Well, technically, all teams have been playing on New Year's because the stadium could uh, because the schedule got lengthened. Even the Jets this year they played on New Year's, and the Giants they did too this year. They uh, you know, they played the Rams on New Year's, so, uh, we all played on New Year's, but I, but it, it was a good, uh, it was a good joke, TJ. I, I think, I think I said meaning, meaningful football. Yeah, well, they still play football. If I could catch a game in general, it's, you know. It's not meaningful football. It's garbage I, time football. I mean, listen, everyone's playing for something, right?
1: I, I guess, at the end of the day. Anyway. <laughs> I would uh you touched on bits and pieces a little bit, Stevie. And now I wanna toss it over to Josh and kind of just talk about the game itself. Uh I know the Rangers started out hot. They got a goal real quick. Islanders came out, scored three straight. Four four straight. So four, yeah, four unanswered. And then we all know the rest is history. So I want to get your perspective, Josh, somebody who wasn't at the game, but watched along, followed along. What, what were your thoughts? How did the boys play? Was it something you expected? Was it was it more of a surprise that it was 6-5 in overtime? Um,
0: and I'm also going to turn to Stevie here from or his perspective from being at the game. First, I want to talk about, it, and I can't leave this out. Shout out Matt Rempe. What he did was historic on several uh, occasions. First, he was the first player in NHL history to make his debut in an outdoor game. So, shout out him. One second into his NHL career, dropped the gloves and fat and fought Matt Martin. Doesn't get any better than that. You play one second in the NHL and you serve a five, and then you have a five minute uh, penalty. That's a great way to start. Let alone, he's a six seven kid. So shout out him. He's a gritty guy that I, I'm. As a fan, I can only imagine how exciting it was to see him in person. Right, Stevie, like how electric was it when, when, um, when they uh, dropped the gloves.
2: It was, and I was pissed. So we we got to our seats, and they said, "All right, let's go get drinks." You know, and of course, we saw it on the TV thing, but everyone walking just stopped walking They're like, oh, because like they just heard because you could hear the stadium erupting, um, you know, from like out when you're in the concourse section. But everyone like just walking around trying to find food and stuff like stopped and just watched the TV to watch the haymakers being delivered between um him and I forgot who on the islanders he fought. Matt Martin. Matt Martin. Okay, but
1: and, and Matt Martin said after the game or in between uh in between the penalty boxes that that Rempe had a bit a bigger reach than fighting Zdeno Chara. Well, he's he was long. Matt Martin, Matt Martin fought Chara, and they're both big customers. And someone having more reach than Zdeno Chara is just. This guy's a
0: center. Like it's not like he's a defenseman like Jar. He's a, it's, That's it's what a saying. center. He moves he moves quick. Like he's known. Like this is and crazy. He,
2: and he like and listen, I we sat in the nose. Like there was a couple more rows ahead of us and that was it. So like we were up there and he like you could see him pretty clear as day. Like he's that big. Um but yeah, no, I was mad that we like missed it on the actual ice because I we we didn't expect a fight to happen that quick. I mean, it because they legitimately we didn't expect a goal to be scored that quick. So we were in the concourse when the goal scored and we're like, let's go. And then legitimately like what, 30 seconds a minute after it was a fight. So like we couldn't believe but then we we're like, all right, this is just going to line up for more action down. The-. And sure enough, it did. I mean, there was a couple other little scuffles and then I think there was one more fight. Um, Yeah, but-
0: Trochek tro- later in the game.
2: Yeah, yeah, him and... Um, oh, my God, I'm free. It was, it was tough. To, I don't know half the Islanders guys, but... um. Be even to see Trochik getting involved with the little scuffle, I mean, like, usually you don't see him, like, you know, um, getting involved with that. So it was cool to see that. But then even just... There was, you know, there there was a couple other minor scuffles that they kind of detained, like, kind of stopped earlier. Um, Like Lafreniere, he was getting involved in some of them, so... A lot of guys that you wouldn't expect fighting or like getting feisty, they were getting right in, right in it.
0: Um. So going back to TJ's original point, uh, question, I I did not expect it to be as high scoring as it was. I mean, Stevie clearly did. He is his parlay hit. I thought the under would hit just because of who the two goalies were, uh, Sorokin and. Igor, both of them fantastic goalies. And yes, Igor's had a little bit of a down year, but he's still Igor Shosturkin. He's still capable of being a top five goalie at any point of the season. And Sorokin is arguably probably the goalie of the year right now. So between those two, I thought it'd be a lower scoring game. But seeing that it was 6-5, not really as concerned as I would be if it was, let's say, at the Garden or at a UBS Stadium in Long- on Long Island like Stevie said because of the glare and because it was outdoors and 70,000 as opposed to 20,000 or whatever that could all be factors as to why it was so high, so high scoring i i didn't like how the rangers started down 4-1 and then 5-3 in in the third period but this also is typical for the long for the islanders this year they have 22 wins but also 14 ties this year. They have the fewest amount of wins for a team that is still in contention. So I don't know if this is how the Islanders are want to play. They get a lead, and then they kind of take the foot off the gas and settle for a tie, because it kind of seems like it, especially with how overtime played out. They won the face-off, were sloppy in their own zone, and Panarin put it in for the game winner with no Rangers near him. He was the only man. It was like a three-on-one and still put it in. But, yeah. Uh, It it is crazy that this was the first time that the Rangers and Islanders played since 2022. They didn't play a single game in the year 2023. This is obviously the first game of the season that they've played, and it was a neutral site game, not even a islander or a ranger game which that part was fascinating to me but other than that the rangers didn't give up which was impressive i feel like in years past with gerard gallant this team probably would have quit in the second or third period being down three goals late but uh they didn't so that was impressive to see and guys like capo caco and alexi lafreniere who people labeled as busts a couple of years ago when they didn't look like the number one and number two picks that they were drafted to be. They had impactful games. Capocacco had an assist. Lafreniere was all around the puck. He he had a good game, even though he may not show up in the stat sheet. They are both impactful players and really impacted uh, the win on Sunday.
2: And the Rangers now, I mean, they're on, what, an eight-game win streak? Um, yeah, after, eight... after
0: their last win, they're on an eight-game win streak.
2: And even to now, so you think, like, they played Sunday outside in a really physical, like, tough game, and, like, you're playing outside, so it's a different kind of conditions, different kind of wear in your body. um, And like I said, it was really physical and went to overtime. You had to grind it out. You were down all game. And then to come back last night, granted, it was at home, but to play the Stars and to, like, beat them and control the, and pretty much dominate that whole game, like... And Igor looking like the Igor that we know. That's really
0: my big takeaway from that the Dallas Stars game. Igor started Sunday. I actually expected it would have been Jonathan Quick who had been balling this year, looking like an elite backup goalie, looking like prime Jonathan Quick that we all know as kids. He's having a bounce back year. I expected Jonathan Quick to start against the Stars because the Stars played their backup goalie. But no, uh, Igor got the start. And was the first star of the game with forty something saves. That's you know what what, we... though,
2: you need like if maybe it was on unper- purpose, maybe it was intentional. He needed that confidence booster. He does, and hopefully, maybe between Sunday and t- and today, uh, or last night—I mean Tuesday—that because the playoffs are quickly approaching, you pretty much have much yeah March, and then, when well, a week or so in April, and then, it's playoff time, and then obviously the Rangers. You had you went to the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago with being so close making to the cup and then last year losing to the devil's first round. So like there's what the record is and how they play this year. Like there's a lot of expectations to get back to, you know, really the cup, but especially the Eastern conference finals. So if this is what's going to start, I mean, it's, it's great that quick has been playing so well because last year when Igor was struggling at times, um, Halak was just awful. You know, he offered no help, you know, but now you could put quick in there and feel confident that, oh, yeah, we can win this game. So now, if you have two guys like that, but you need Igor's confidence because at the end of the day, he, when he's at his best, he's one of the best goalies in this game right now. And you still need him. Like, he's your guy, you know, it's like, it's like a, pretty much your ace in baseball. Like, when your ace is pitching well and everyone else is pitching well, it's great you know, when he's struggling and other guys are picking him up, it's good. But like, like the Yankees, they need Garrett Cole to pitch like how he did last year. Or yeah,
0: the Rangers are going to only go as far as Igor takes them.
2: Exactly. Yankees are,
0: Yankees are only going to go as far as Garrett Cole takes them. Exactly. I don't want to put this in the into the same context, but for comparison purposes, the Knicks will only go as far as Jalen Brunson takes them. They need exactly. their star to lead them. And, Yes, the, the Rangers have other stars, Panarin being top five MVP, Amika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider, but that none of that matters because you need Igor to be your guy. And it's great that Jonathan Quick is having a great year, but I don't know, I don't think he can sustain the wear and tear at 38 years old of a playoff series. It's great how he's doing in the pl- in the regular season being able to come in every 3 or 4 games whatever and look like I'm Jonathan Quick but to do it in the playoffs and th- in that environment again and have the quick turnaround I-, I don't think you could count on him so to see Igor getting right getting looking like his old self that we we need as Ranger fans and TJ this is the right time to see a guy like him to peak because he he hasn't peaked yet this year.
1: No, he, if I remember correctly, he was, he struggled a little bit getting out of the gate. Wasn't a hundred percent the Igor that Ranger fans have come to know and love. Um, but we, we see this quite often. It'll take, it'll take a little bit to get back into, you know, game pace, get back to that, uh, elite level of goal pending that you'd expect him to play at there there was also uh speaking of fun events this weekend, there was another fun event this past weekend. It was nBA all star weekend. Some people may have enjoyed it majority have have not and that's 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 a whole other topic for another day or a few minutes so. Josh, you and I watched a little bit of the game, or most of the game, together on Sunday, uh, out and about. It was was the highest scoring game in uh, NBA All Star history.
0: Yep, and the first time a team cracked two hundred points.
1: All right, and that that comes into that rumbles into my uh, first question here. Is it a waste at this point to have the NBA All Star game? You'd think, with the all the the top talent in the NBA playing a game against each other, you'd expect it to be a super competitive game, the best of the best, iron sharpens iron. But you see, the winning team scoring two hundred points. There's no defense. You got you got Tyrese Halliburton trying to do the elbow pass. You got Nikola Jokic and Luka Doncic just. Being like brothers, little brothers out there, just trying to do whatever, whatever they can to, you know, I guess spice up the game. I wouldn't say it's spicing it up. Uh, it, it's enjoyable to watch, but if you're a hoops fan, it's it's kind of meaningless at this point. And I kind of want to hear from both of you guys if you think it's time to make a serious change to the format. And or just get rid of the All Star Game altogether.
0: I'll go first, then I'll let Stevie jump in after. Um, that sounds good. Yeah, uh, it's tough because I don't think they you you need to scrap the game and also and the weekend itself. Yes, I think the game though is kind of heading towards that pointless direction because. It's supposed to be enjoy enjoyment. It's supposed to be entertaining, and yeah, you don't expect there to be defense, but you want it to be fun. And the whole purpose of it is the enjoyment, the entertainment, the fun aspect. And yeah, you, some people might think it was fun to watch a team put up two hundred points, but when you're lens, a guy is shooting half court shots, and Anthony Edwards said he's going to shoot left handed, and Basically, shoot hit at the top of the backboard. I don't really consider that fun. Not many people do. There really were no monumental plays. There were no cool dunks. There were no monumental moments from the game like in years past.
1: The, the coolest part for me was seeing Halliburton go five for five from the three to start the game. Yeah. And the fifth one being from almost the logo. Other than that, it was just. Back and forth, dunk, layup, miss shot, all game. And
0: to my point, I think maybe the league should consider like what hockey does, like a three-on-three type tournament. If guys don't want to play defense, then condense the court and let them play sort of streetball esque basketball played a twenty one and have like a mini tournament that way. Um other than that, I I had no complaints with All Star Saturday. I thought that was great. Maybe you could say like got some guys were robbed, like Jacob Toppin. This Jalen Brown I think was god awful. But we'll save that for later. Yeah, the game itself it, it's sad that it came to this, but I think we could all blame the uh, load management culture of the NBA and guys being afraid of possibly getting injured and not playing the game that they love because they want to entertain the fans and have some fun playing with their, their friends. So it's a shame that it came to this, but we'll see if Adam Silver in the league adjusts like hockey did.
2: No, it's, I'm glad you brought up the 3 on 3 thing because I was thinking that in my head like maybe they could do a 3 on 3 type thing or some sort of method like that to where maybe you can increase the competitiveness a little bit. Um and I just I don't know. I to me yes, yeah, it's cool seeing like and Mike on the they were talking about this on the Michael K show yesterday when I tuned in. Um, or either Monday or Tuesday, whatever I tuned in, and they were saying like, Michael was K was saying like, yeah, it's cool seeing these the guys' athleticism making these shots or doing some of these dunks. But then the day, I mean, like pretty much now they they take those deep shots anyways in games and make them. And then like some of these dunks and something like that you see a couple, and then you're like, all right, it's the same kind of ones over and over again, you know, um, or like LeBron's done so many sick dunks in games, so. To me, it's like I don't want to watch just no defense being played and buckets being scored. Like, I don't know. I I think – and that's why I like how baseball used to do it. I don't know if they still do it, but baseball is still pretty competitive. They may not be going out and going full force and full competitiveness, but they're still competing because when you kind of have to. I mean, if a guy's throwing 90-plus, you can't just kind of like sit back and be lackadaisical. You still kind of have to give it some effort. Um, But I liked how baseball used to do the winner of the, uh, the winner of the all-star game would like have home field advantage. And that's why guys would compete because if the NL won, NL would have home field advantage in the world series. And we know NBA, how
0: NBA used to be like that until they yeah. moved to the uh, draft. Uh... Yeah.
2: And I think moving to the whole draft thing ruined it because um, like, if you watch a lot of the older all-star games, yeah, they would compete because same thing, like, it actually meant something. I the only one that was never really competitive was the Pro Bowl because it was at the end of the season and guys were banged up and, you know, it was a Pro Bowl, it was kinda like whatever. But we all knew the Pro Bowl sucked from day one anyways. Um, uh, but the NBA All Star and weekend and then the All Star game Little Break too, was fun because you had the you had the uh, festivities, like you had the home run derby and everything and the Celebrity softball game like the day before, but mostly the home run derby, which everyone tuned in for. And then NBA, you had Friday, the celebrity game, the rising stars Saturday, you know, the dunk contest, three point. I actually loved the Sabrina and Steph thing. I thought that was phenomenal. Um, But yeah, the the games are just not the same anymore. And and I feel like at one point it meant something to the players, like back in the nineties, like Jordan and them, like it meant something to be considered an all-star. And now not that the guys don't, but they treat it like – because a lot of them have gone there so many times that they're treating it like it's – that they almost have to do it. Like, uh, it's, you know, got to go and do this and do that. And, you know, it's like they don't actually seem to, like, like care, like, this is All-Star Weekend. Like, All-Star Weekend really – like, I still look forward to it. But when I was a kid, like, the players used to love All-Star Weekend. And – as a kid, I used to love, I couldn't wait until because it was usually right around my February break, too. So I was like, nice. Like I have off from school, Tune in all weekends for the celebrity game when Kevin Hart played was phenomenal. It was fun. The Rising Stars challenge game was always fun. Now that's like barely competitive. Then, you know, Saturday night with the dunk contest, you actually had like legit NBA guys participating. The three point con- I mean, the three point contest is still good. but like same thing and and the skills challenge was like, Half the guys didn't even know what to do for the skills challenge. Watching it Saturday, you know, it was still pretty good, but like a lot of them still were kind of confused. Or like Anthony Edwards was shooting lefty at first, and like some of them still weren't taking it serious enough. Um, so I don't know. They they need to like make some changes, and 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 I just hope the players just seem like to care more. I think like half of them just don't seem to care as much anymore and I, I don't know why I mean you can paid all this money and to be considered an NBA all-star should mean something and if it's if it doesn't because you're now like a 10-time NBA all-star then I don't know then you're not really playing for what when you for the same reason that you did when you first started playing I think they need to go back and realize that so
0: I have a suggestion and I guess it kind of also could defeat the purpose of the whole all star weekend but I'm curious what you think If players who are like those 10 time All-Stars or whatever, who really don't care about it, which also I don't know if I agree with, because even like a guy like Curry, he looked like he was having fun and trying and whatnot. But regardless, um, I feel like they should be allowed to opt out if they're not going to go there and take it seriously and have fun. If you're named an All-Star and you're not going to go and have fun and enjoy the weekend then you could opt out and then get replaced. But if you do opt in, then you should be, then you should participate in the game itself, as well as also the three point and the dunk contest and actually give it your all because the NHL, I think tried this this year with the the skills events, And I think it was probably the best skills event that I'd watched from the NHL in, in quite some time. You had all of the best players showing off their skills up that, that makes them an all-star. The NBA should be able to do the same. You want to be able to market these players. These players, it's supposed to be a celebration, so they're supposed to be showing off why they're here. Then, show off. There's really no excuse.
2: And I think the NHL too, they implemented to same thing to make it more competitive and make people want to tune it. I think because like the winner would, it would get like a million dollars. So it was like, there's an incentive. Now, should they need to do that for the players to like, I mean, you're making all this money anyways, and you're playing, you're playing a sport that like you played as a kid growing up, loving to play. Like you should just want to go out there and do it and put on a show for these fans. Like you do every other time. And it's just like a fun event, weekend, you know? Um, But if they need some sort of incentive to do that, then, then by all means do that. And listen, I'm not saying like the NHL, like because there, there's like those, like their game in those threes, like it's still higher scoring. There's not as much defense. Like I'm not gonna say like the NBA is like the only one that stinks because really the NFL, like clearly they they did away with the game. Now it's flag football. Um, so the NFL is the worst, and then I would say game-wise, it's the NBA. I think baseball just does it right, because a Home Run Derby is awesome. Um, you know, like, with all the other like teams and their players watching with their families and watching these guys, like, crank, you know, 450-plus like shots um, is great. And then, like, even the game, like, you know, the pitchers are still throwing, it's not like the pitchers are throwing 70 miles per hour, like, they're just lofting and like they're still they may not be putting their full zip on there but they're still putting a decent zip on there and they're still competing pretty well and that's why like I actually in, enjoy watching them the be all-star game because these guys actually like you know they seem like that they're proud to be considered an all-star with the rest of the guys like they you know they like when I think Mike Trout when he when he was like a rookie in his first couple years and he was like standing next to Jeter and you could just see like how like just um almost like just like like, taken away he was because he's like oh my gosh like he was an all-star next to Derek Jeter you know and like these other guy like like at the time that those guys were getting ready to retire and be done and it should be the and
0: it should be the same because like you got these young guys like who are all-stars alongside LeBron AD Curry like you look at it Jalen Brunson or Tyrese Maxey, those first year guys, Anthony Edwards, Paulo Banchero. Like yeah, they're playing alongside LeBron James who basically who has been an all-star now for 20 years. All of those guys, not Jalen Brunson, but the other guys are what? 20, 21, 22 at most. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you don't think they're enjoying trying to enjoy that moment. I don't know if they're in, enjoying it as much as they would if all Star Weekend meant something more than it does. Yeah, because yeah, I... All Star All Star Gate All All-Star is supposed to be something that counts towards your legacy for Hall of Fame for this and that, but it's kind of being taken as a joke, and it's a shame because that really will be a a deal breaker when when all when it's all said and done. Like when you when LeBron goes into the Hall of Fame, they're gonna mention twenty time All Star. But they're not going to talk about, oh, the last seven All-Stars that LeBron appeared in were jokes and shouldn't count. But it's heading towards that direction, and it won't get there, but it's heading towards that direction that it should be a conversation. Well, if they're not going to take it seriously, then should we strip all these All-Stars and just not have the All-Star weekend? I mean, it's it's fun for the fans. They're paying all this money to go see the best stars in the game play and have fun against each other. And yes, you're not expecting to go and see the defense. You're expecting to have fun and see some enjoyment, but I guess there really needs to be an incentive for these players to want to let loose a little and have fun.
2: Yeah. and, And to me, like I would, as much as I like high scoring in a lot of sports like baseball, football, hockey, but at the same time, I do want some defense. Like, like, I want to see the best of the best, like, truly play. Like, I'm not saying they have to go 100%, but if they go 85%, 90%, that's still 10 times better than, like, a like a, a, 12th man on the team giving his 100%. You know, like, LeBron at 80% would still be miles ahead better than, like, a 12th man, like, like a Ron Baker giving his 100%, you know? Um, I just, I don't know, Ron Baker was, like, the guy I thought of of just who was just not your best, like, t- like basketball player. Like, like he played hard and stuff. Like, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of a guy who is, like, a funny basketball player. But anyways, um, so, like, because, like, seeing the NBA Finals, yes, you're getting the best basketball being played, but there's still guys that aren't all-stars and rookies and guys that, like, aren't the best, but they just, like, they're just on the team, you know? But in the all-star game, you have the best of the best. That's when you see the best of the best go at it. And, like, we're just not seeing that because they're just not caring. You know, like, right, they do a couple cool things or they're trying to do crazy things. But to me, like, play... And I feel like back in the 90s and stuff, like, the All-Star Games legit were, like, you saw the best talent go at it, and they actually did care, you know, and go at it. But I don't know. I think it's... I'm sure the league is probably looking at it and seeing, and um, I don't know how the viewership was. So... Listen, they're getting numbers. They probably don't care if they didn't get the results they wanted, then maybe they'll do it, but either way, it was still probably a sold-out event. They probably made tons of money, so at the end of the day, I'm sure the NBA doesn't totally care about... I hope they, they do something change a little bit because it doesn't hit the same as it used to when I was a kid because, I like I said, I used to really look forward to this weekend, and just each year, I'm getting more and more disappointed and almost like, listen, if I don't watch it, I'm not totally going to be upset. Well, if I missed it when I was younger, I would be like trying to watch the highlights, the rewinds on TV and, you know, well, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's rather unfortunate to see like an event that we've all grown up loving and and watch almost religiously when it comes around. It's almost comes to the point where it's not must miss TV, but we're almost like, not going out of our way to make sure that we're around to watch it but that's that's enough all-star all-star talk we do have a loaded second half of the season as basketball fans there's a few uh maybe one or two topics i want to pick your brains about the first one josh is is you specifically um the Nets, the Nets fired their, their head coach. Was it, was it something, uh, like written on the wall? Like the way the season's been going for you guys, it's been kind of up and down and, uh, a streaky season in a sense where you get some wins together, string some losses, kind of no consistent, uh, consistent basketball. Um, have they hired somebody else to step in? Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, let's uh let's let's hear it. What are your what are your thoughts about the exit and the now entering new head coach? So the rating was definitely on the wall ages like
0: several games ago, but I think the final straw was back towards the the towards late December uh a game against the Bucks when they decided to tank that game and play uh lie about injuries and play out of rotational guys during a regular season game, which I, I can understand because there are rookies who played in that game and made their debut who you want to see play, and I'm all for that, but they lied about a couple guys' injuries, and they got fined a hefty amount for that, and a guy like Mikel Bridges played the first quarter, and that was it. There are guys who, they're there to compete. And yeah, you're not winning many games, but they're there to compete, and they're trying to play their best and trying to make a name for themselves. And they're not doing that. So ever since then, it seemed like he kind of lost the locker room. And that's are now 21 12 games under five hundred on the outside looking in for on the, uh, on the, for the play in Stevie's Bulls are four games up, up on them so it's not really looking too good for uh, the Nets this year but I am excited about the interim coach that they hired I'm sure Stevie uh <laughs> maybe Stevie could actually tell me some more about uh the coach because it's Kevin Ollie the former UConn head coach yeah uh he was there when Shabazz Napier I believe even I believe Kemba Walker, uh all those Yukon uh Yukon guys. I know
2: he I know Shabazz was definitely there. I didn't I don't know if he was a, an assistant when I think Kemba he was, was there. His,
0: because he did win a national title.
2: Yeah well cause he well because so UConn won twenty eleven then won twenty fourteen. So he was a head oh, coach in twenty fourteen team but he, he might was, have been
1: uh, assistant twenty ten to twenty twelve and then twenty twelve to twenty eighteen he was the head coach.
2: Alright so he was there for Kemba then but just Jim Calhoun was still the coach, so okay, um, yeah, that makes sense. But no, Kevin Ollie, he and TJ you could probably agree with this too. His time at UConn started off great because of the national championship, and then it just went downhill quick year after year after year. Um, and then him and UConn were having lawsuits, and it it got ugly. It really did get ugly, and um, with his buyout and everything else, and. So I don't even know where that even stood. I think UConn owed him a lot of money that they had to pay him for buying him out um, that they tried to get away with or whatever. So it didn't, that relationship didn't end well. Um, And I, yeah, I don't know where it went wrong. I mean, how you win a national title and then just couldn't do anything else. Like, yeah, you're going to lose those guys, but then you just won a national title. You should be able to pretty much get anyone you want. And the fact that he wasn't able to, and he had other good players and just couldn't win. Like, you know, Jalen Adams was really good. Um, and not to make this whole UConn thing, but it just, I don't, yeah, it didn't seem like he was cut out for the head coaching role. You know, like he kind of got carried by Shabazz and Boatwright and um, Mita Brahma, like that big three. And then like they just had, UConn had a great squad. And he just seems so, you know, with the Nets now, I don't know, maybe it's different professionally, but. We'll see. I don't think he's gonna be the head coach for Oh, and they're months. not
0: and they're they're not saying that he is, and I'm sure they're probably gonna hire a real coach in the offseason instead of extend the interim and name him the full time starter, which is what they did with Vaughn. But I am excited because it's also a unique path, but he does have coaching experience. Like, yes, Jacques Vaughn had the coaching experience, but he really didn't have the support of the players like Kevin Ollie has. And he's kind of working himself up from how his UConn tenure ended. He coached the OTE League, and he coached the Thompson Twins, who went top five in this year's NBA draft. And they're trying to make a name for themselves in uh, Houston and Detroit right now. The Nets signed a a G League guy, uh, an OTE guy to a G League contract today, Jalen Martin. He was cut by the Knicks G League. So, and now there are guys like Cam Thomas who were saying that he was thinking about committing to UConn because of Kevin Ali during those Shabazz Napier days. So, it was interesting to see, like, the shift in energy and how much a coaching change can really shift the locker room, even if the season is essentially lost. So maybe the Nets will play harder and will continue to at least give us give us fans some enjoy, enjoying enjoying enjoyable some good basketball to watch. I could have enjoyable basketball.
2: Enjoyable basketball. I was trying to figure enjoyable out enjoyment.
0: I was trying to figure out how I wanted to word that. Yes. Well I think
2: too to your point is um like you said, whenever there is a coaching change, there usually is you can see a different like style of play, whether they it's a different kind of scheme or the guys play harder um because they they miss their old coach and or they didn't like their coach and so now they're trying to like, you know, they actually like playing their sport again. Um, but we'll see how long it lasts. Because sometimes the coaches are able, to like these interim coaches, they get the the head the full time coaching uh, title because they able to get their team to play well. But then after that half year or whatever, it doesn't work out. Um, or some of them it does, or then some of them there they, they for the first like couple weeks they do well, and then it just tanks off. So we'll see how well Kevin Ollie can have the Nets play if he's able to get them playing well at all. Um, but hopefully, with the break and a little bit of new leadership, they're able to do that. But I mean, Kevin Ali, he's he he for himself, he played in the league with many teams and 16 many years at, yeah. So, and sometimes those guys that jumped <clears throat> from team to team, they're the better coaches because they got intel of what how different franchises run and the inside and out of things. While like those guys that are the star players. They don't always work out because, like, usually they played for one franchise. They see only how that one franchise runs, and and so and they only had like one role, like these like guys that like were back and stuff. They had all different types of roles, and they saw all the different parts of the game. So, um, so who knows? Maybe for Kevin Ollie, it'll work out better for him on the professional level, and and for the Nets. Um, but yeah, I don't see this as a long term fit, and I I don't see it. I don't really see the Nets getting any better, to be honest. I think that they're just going to kind of continue playing how they've been playing all year, and that's going to be that, and you're going to be getting a new head coach again come.
0: Which summer. which is fine. The only thing I really want to see is he, he was hired on Jock Vaughn's assistant staff to improve the defense, and the defense has not really looked what it was advertised to be because you have a lot of defensive stars on this team and our defense has not been up to par under Jacques Vaughn's uh, schemes. And now can you blame Kevin Ollie for that? I'm sure. But there were points in the season where he took control of the game plan and the Nets defense looked very impressive against some top teams too. Like the Oklahoma City Thunder held them to 40 points at half. And so, like, stuff like that definitely gives me hope as a fan for at least this year and the last 20 or so games remaining that, you know, this team, yes, it does not have a true star, maybe Cam Thomas, but this team does not have a true star right now. Maybe they can hold their head on being a defensive team and you can win some basketball games because this all this team also cannot tank because they don't have their own pick. So, they have to play hard regardless and they have to win because well they don't have their pick. So, they got nothing to lose and I'm hoping we'll see some more dubs and who knows what will happen from there.
1: It's kind of funny you uh I think you mentioned there talking about how a coaching change during the season can bring a positive uh, outlook to a locker room. And I kind of want to bring that to uh, what's going on with the Milwaukee Bucks right now. There was, uh, they, they started out real hot. All of a sudden they lost, they, they, they weren't even in double digit losses yet. And they fired their head coach because they want to, yeah, 30 and 13. There we go. Sorry. Uh they wanted to maximize their championship window, so they fired their head coach and brought in Doc Rivers, and Doc Rivers started out three and seven. it took him it took him le- less games or it took him less games to get to seven losses than the previous head coach did up until the point of Doc Rivers being hired I I don't know what's going on in Milwaukee. I mean, I understand maybe there was like behind the scenes stuff going on that didn't get leaked to the media. but causing such a rift like that. and I and I feel like the the GM, I think it was it the GM the GM or the owner said that they wanted to maximize their championship window. I think that really kind of sent the wrong message to the locker room personally. I think it's, it sent them like, Hey, we have, we have the talent. We're just not executing. I don't, I don't know. Like I I can't fathom the, the, the fact that they can't their prior head coach, even though he was 30 and 13, I believe the number two or number three team in the, in the East, like, have you guys made it make sense yet? I, I'm i still, like, scratching my head over here trying to figure out why. Why?
0: I mean, I guess the, the reason originally for the change was, yes, he lost the locker room, but in large part, their defense was not up to standards. Now, if this was the the way they were thinking, because Adrian Griffin, Griffin was the head coach that they hired, after they fired Mike Budenholzer after last season. Why wouldn't you just keep Budenholzer for this year? Or why wouldn't you go after a more experienced head coach who was out there like a Doc Rivers at in the offseason? Why bring in Adrian Griffin, who you know was a young coach with very little experience? You kind of need to give him some sort of wiggle room and some patience but on the other hand, when you have Giannis and Dame Lillard, that's a small championship window that you have. So you kind of had to balance both then. It kind of made for a messy situation because like both sides are in the wrong here. Like, and I don't really know how Milwaukee can quickly learn Doc Rivers' system in a, in a short all-star break because they certainly didn't do much, uh, didn't have much success leading up to the all-star break. So they're using this this break to uh, quickly learn and adjust to his his style. But you got like 20, 25 games left to adjust. That's not enough time. Teams install game plans in the off-season and practice and training camp to prepare for an 82-game season. The all-star break is for little fixes, not install a whole new game plan and, and an offense and a defense. I don't know where the Bucks can go. And the trade deadline obviously passed. It's not really looking pretty for the Bucs. I'm sure they will still be fine in the playoffs and get past the first round because you got talent. The guys like Giannis and Dame Lillard, but I don't see them making it out of the second round. I think they'll get upset very, very early against a team like Miami. I would take Miami against them. Miami is has a better coach, and they got guys who are willing to fight for their coach and lay it all out there. My, uh, Milwaukee has already shown that they quit on their coach, and this new coach hasn't really gotten to their players, so... It's a mess there, and I'm happy. I don't have to worry about that. Well, maybe I do,
1: but my team's not in the
0: playoffs, so I don't really need to worry about that.
1: Yeah, and, and for someone like myself, who's a, who's a Celtics fan, it's just you kind of just sit back and grab handfuls of popcorn and just watch it all unfold.
0: Or the Knicks, because you got the, the Bucks and you got Philly. Two major question marks. Knicks could end the season, even though they're banged up, they could end the season as the two seed. So yeah, between the Knicks and the and the and the Celtics, I think are sitting very pretty right now, heading into the second half of the season.
1: I mean, even even the Cavs, they're 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 sitting right in between Boston and and Milwaukee at number two. All I know is I think we're in for quite the uh, second half, and seeing some sleeper teams pull out some some crazy stuff i personally and for castle's sake i would love to see the Knicks back in the playoffs i think i think it would make make that man very happy and it would make 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 new yorkers and new york specifically Knicks fans just a little a little less stressed and I know out west is out west is going to be a dogfight too. We we know that between Minnesota, the the Thunder, the Clippers have bounced back, the Nuggets, the Suns, etc. I think we're I think we're in for quite the second half, boys. I think we got to pull the seatbelts on, do one more one more pull for good luck, and just strap in and go. We're in for it. Thank you all. For listening to another lovely episode. Thank you, boys, for letting me host this week. It was great. I will be uh I'll be making sure to refresh and rejuvenate that social media now that I am no longer on night shifts. I can get that social media back up and running. Yep, we're we're back, boys. We're back. And thank you to the viewers and listeners. You without you guys, we would just be. Three to four guys talking into microphones for nobody to listen to.